When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Tokyo Nice, Miami Nice's special diversion into all things the Tokyo Vice series on HBO Max, executive produced by none other than Michael Mann himself. This is now our third episode that we are covering on the series. It is called Read the Air, and joining me, as always, to basically pit me against uh, other soldiers in the yakuza who insult me uh in the middle of uh, our gangland hideouts is my uh, boss uh katie walsh uh katie welcome back to tokyo nice thank you for having me i'm i'm threatening you with my hand <laughs> i'm gonna give you a slap no i would never slap you uh I'll, <laughs> only I'll, if I'll, i have to keep you in line <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'll never slap you and you're like but i do know you Except- so i i do know you so if there was a time that we were together <laughs> alive and i saw that you were getting off the rails i might slap you because i know what you're capable of um no that's so nice uh yeah so we're so back. nice so loving so last episode in case you didn't listen um one of the things uh, that we talked about was um just you know for the journalistic integrity of it all the both imdbs and wikipedias of this show deeply confusing uh, I think yep. for almost everyone involved, uh, really hard to track who's doing what directing of what episodes, what what's happening. So we promised at the end of last episode that this episode we'll come back with the definitive layout for the directors for the final three episodes, six, seven, and eight, as we understand it, um, of the series. So episodes six and seven are Jake Kubota-Vladika, who ha- who's doing these two episodes. So it's a bit, a bit of synergy in those final episodes coming up. And the final one, Katie, I'm going to let you pronounce this one because <laughs> I think we've ballsed up the pronunciation together off air about 40 times. Um, Alan Poole, Alan Pohl, Alan Paul, Alan, what, what, are, we, what are we going with? I, I'm going with Poole. It's P-O-U-L. <laughs> yeah. Poole. Okay. Yeah, but Poole. it might be Paul. So it's either a pole or a pool. I don't know. We have no idea. One thing's for sure. We know how to spell it. We have no idea how to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, it's so. only four letters <laughs> in both names. Uh, we're going to muck this one up a bunch of times. I'm positive unless someone wants to like, w- maybe we can do a little YouTube research or something. But We'll, we'll he, find something. He's Emmy nominated for directing Six Feet Under. He's directed Rome. He's directed Big Love. He's directed The Newsroom. You know, he's an HBO guy. So an, they... Yeah. HBO they brought in one of guy. their house house auteurs for for the fin- finale. Ah, excellent. All right, so we're going to obviously talk more about the mucho impronounceable Alan Poole at, uh, at later points of the series. But what I think we need to do to kick off right at the start, like let's sort of recap, I mean, the big ticket items that happen in this episode, Read the Air, which again, um, in our last episode, we talked about the somewhat 
insane take that there's a drop off. Um, insane and both insanely obvious take that Michael Mann directs better than other people. Um, uh, so we talked about that, but again, watching this episode, there's so much good stuff in yeah. this Joseph Cabot of Latica and Arthur Phillips is the writer of this episode. Really good stuff in this episode. Katie, do you want to sort of like recap the big ticket items and I'll tag in with anything else that I think is, is really important for folks who are, who are sort of watching along with us? Yeah, so I think the most important thing that happens in this episode is Jake's deepening relationship with Katagiri. Yes. So when we first see Jake, he is going to um, Katagiri's house. He's bringing beer and sweets, as uh, as Katagiri will say to him, like, "Oh, this is how the Macho told you to recruit a cop." But yeah, he's like shows up at he like takes a bus out to the middle of nowhere. He shows up at his house. He sort of ingratiates himself to his wife and kids. Um, and you know, Katagiri's like, "All right, this kid is really pursuing something." So he, you know, he has a beer with him on on the porch, um, and and it really pays off for Jake because he gets invited to go to this intense like SWAT raid at the Tozawa office where um, Katagiri sort of lays the hammer down for the the restaurant attack that he had intervened in the last episode and the last scene. And it's a really interesting scene because, and Jake, you know, is this observer. So we are in the eyes of Jake watching this all go down and he's just trying to figure it out. And he, um, sees how Tozawa sort of just is almost sarcastically, almost flippantly, the, 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 the organization of Tozawa. There's also a character named Tozawa who's like the leader of the gang. Um, they, they're like, oh, uh, you need someone to take the fall for this? Here, this guy. And then like a guy will like scurry up and bow and say, oh, I'm so sorry that I gave him this gun and I will now be arrested. And so they take off three guys, a very public arrest, Meanwhile, Jake is being caught on camera because he's in the background sort of taking pictures with his notorious camera. And, you know, <laughs> he's getting this loud camera, <laughs> yes. the loudest camera. And um, he's, you know, and, and Katagiri sidling up to him and saying, OK, this is what you can write about. And, you know, it's like Jake gets the big scoop, but within reason. And then Sato from Chiharakai who's going through his own troubles at, with, you know, the, the hierarchies of gang life. Um, he sees Jake on TV and he's like, oh, that's my buddy. Like, that's my buddy that I was like talking about sneakers with in the club and jeans um, in the previous episode. <laughs> and you see, I love that scene in the previous episode. Cause like, you see, they're just two dudes. Like they're just really young guys, just kind of like growing out over like really superficial things, but they're both also realizing how they can utilize each other as assets in their various businesses. So, you know, Sato's having a rough time. He ends up beating up one of his, uh, Yakuza kind of, lowly dudes. He's kind of forced into a squabble um a, res a squabble that kind of starts with respect but it's just like who is going to be the you know the alpha dog of these emerging soldiers like who's going to be the sort of next in line and he gets carried away and he like nearly beats one of his peers to death and immediately falls out of favor with right. uh, his big boss Ashida, um, a little bit with um, uh, Kume, who's his sort of direct reporting boss, but the more concerningly, overall, is Ashida his big boss that he 
he kind of takes it a little bit too far. Yeah. And, and I think one of the overarching themes of this episode with Sato is he's like, it's like, you don't know your own strength. He's like learning when to use violence, when to use soft power. So in one of the opening scenes, he's with Kume, he like slaps this guy and the Kume's like, what are you doing? Like, you don't have to act like this all the time. So he's like, and that's when the title comes in. He's like, read the air, like read the room. So, you know, he's sort of, um, he's almost like a kid. He's like trying and messing up and then trying something else and seeing how that works. And so then he sort of tries out his soft power and he he sells a bunch of dresses to the girls at the hostess club and he tries to be nice to them and he's not being aggressive. And then he has this moment with Samantha where he he sort of loans her very a dress. Sex, very sexy. Very sexy scene. moment. Very sexy moment. Um and he and she tries on the dress in front of him and they have it's like there's this tension because he wants her and she wants his protection. You know, she wants to be in his good graces. But there's like a sexy moment in the dressing room and then that's what comes around and causes the rift between him and his um, other little like, you know, I, I don't know what to call them. Like the, they're like the I, pages I, or the I, valets or I, something. I feel, I feel like just calling them like the soldiers. Like in, Yeah, they're in, the soldiers. In, in the Italian mafia parlance, like they would say they're buttons or they're soldiers. Um, yeah. Because they are just the lowest rung. They're just doing the real menial tasks they're doing the like street violence stuff they're doing all of that really heavy-handed stuff to a point when they read right. correctly they're doing all that stuff to a point and collecting money and those sorts of things but they're not working on the strategy or anything like that they're not allowed to do any of that at that stage yeah it's like kume is the capo and ishida is the don <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um and so he offers up something to Ishida. He's like, I can give you something else. He's apologizing for this infraction. And then Jake is hanging out with his boys at the batting cage from the newspaper. And he suddenly gets picked up by some random Yakuza. And so we're like left with this um, cliffhanger. <laughs> cliffhanger, totally, of an episode where you're like, what's happening? What's going to happen to him? But there is a lot going on. I think the most important thing here, though, is obviously the relationship that Jake is cultivating with this really important person in the police department and being able to be like a firsthand witness to these goings on um, with the Yakuza and the police and this one figure who can, you know, kind of keep things in check. And he's doing the best he can to sort of like keep the lid on the pot that's like about to boil over. He also gets a very important piece of evidence from Katagiri, which is this binder full of like threatening flyers and information about the um, baby Katana murder victim <laughs> <laughs> um, from the loan shark company that was basically like bullying him into like killing himself and humiliating him. So he's like, they're trying to tease out this thing with the logo, the suicides, and these shell companies that are like loan shark companies that are essentially bullying people into killing themselves. And, and Jake is trying to figure out like, what's the culture of suicide in Japan? Why is this happening? What is the interest of a loan shark company in getting their, you know, people who have defaulted on their loans to kill themselves? And then there's all this stuff swirling with the different Yakuza's and their rivalries and Tozawa coming to town. Um, 
but he's got this really important allyship and it's a it's like a friendship he's close with the family he's like having intimate moments with them so that's interesting also just another side point sam has a new customer who seems mm. like a very cool guy until we see he's taking surveillance photos of her <laughs> Such a it's, all it's all fun and games all fun and games until Someone's... your date is taking long telephoto lens shots of you, unbeknownst to you, in your apartment. Ladies that feel when. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dating no. so hard these days. Not that they're dating. But... <laughs> when, when, Katie, when Katie says jokes like that, I almost <laughs> don't want to laugh because I'm like, there might be a story. I'm not, I'm not no, sure. No, no, no. Laugh, sure laugh, there's, laugh. Uh, there's, not, there's not some crazy story. Um, but no, you're, you're so right. There's, we're starting to broaden out because with Samantha, she's been so cool. She's been so collected. Um, over the last couple of episodes, you've seen that she's been able to navigate this world, like as an outsider, like, like Jake, but she's just so effortlessly ingratiated herself into society. And now we're scratching at how did you get here? What happened? And we're getting a bit of that. Um, I do really love, uh, we were talking about, um, in the, uh, last episode, we were talking about Tintin. So his, his mates, um, who are playing, uh, baseball in the batting cages with him. I really love that. They, they don't like how bad he is at baseball. Um, <laughs> yes. they're really annoyed that an American can't hit a ball. And I think that that's just such a perfect little touch, but yeah, you're so right. This episode is all about really bridging the gap of like, how is corporate world maybe entangled with the yakuza entangled with yes japanese cultural values and how is how is this making money like how what 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 strange relationship is being exploited here um for money and i i you know having seen more of the series like this episode i was like god damn it like it was really like the cliffhanger at the end of this episode is so right on um because this is a this is a really great as much as there's so much great jake and katagiri stuff this is a great sato episode this is a good like, yes. in the title it's a great sato episode because he is he's really finding himself and in one of the terrific um sort of like Series up to episode five reviews, Roxana Haddadi, who's a friend of the show. She just talked about him being like all the Corleone brothers at once. And I think this episode is his all the Corleone brothers at once episode because it's got the Sunnies. Um, it's got the Fredos when it's a bit awkward yeah. and a bit, a bit um, not reading the room correctly and trying to ingratiate himself with the kids. Um, he's playing, a, he's playing a video game called Virtua Cop. Um, not very well. And I was, uh, I was like, I felt like, going, listen, man, you know, 1997 Blake, 1998 Blake, 1999 Blake could have really taught you a thing or two about how to play Virtua Cop on an arcade machine. Um, um, but yeah, such a great episode. And I mean, if we're just talking about technical and talking about tone and talking about feeling that daytime raid scene is phenomenally structured and just so great. And there's something about this, I don't know, dull gray light of, you know, sort of, um, finance district, Japan that, uh, and jo finance district Tokyo where category takes Jake in, into the room, into this negotiation. And it's not just that category is going down there to get, someone who's meant to be handed off to him for this infringement at the bar. For me, what was great is that he pushes the friendship. He's like, no, I'm not going to need just one. I need three, like to yeah. make this go down. And then 
in those moments, you're like, we don't actually know what the cops will do or will take. And we don't really know how far each Yakuza clan will go if the cops push them. And so it's a delightful, like bright, like wide eyed, <laughs> scary daytime scene. Um, that is like probably the highlight for me, of the episode. Did you have a particular highlight um, of the episode, uh, Katie? Yeah, I mean, I love that scene also because it really, there's so much formality and ritual going on into it as well. And there's some really cool cutaways to like some of the scarier <clears throat> Tozawa guys. The guy who wears sunglasses, I don't know what that character's name is, but um, we could figure it out. But uh, you know, the guy who goes up and he's yes. like, I can give you whatever Chihari Kai is giving you, I can double it. And yeah. Katagiri takes total offense to it. He's like, what are you talking about? Um, it's the, the character's name is Yabuki and it's Kazuya Tanabe. And he's great. He's very stylish, very cool. Um, I also really liked the opening sequence, which is the actual Tozawa leader, Tozawa Ayumi Tanita, another very scary guy who he's, he's, sensationally scary in this yeah. show. He is great. And he only and I gets think, better. Yes. And and he I one thing I love about like the, I think the th overall arching theme of this is like this getting under the skin of the yakuza and the image and kind of not deconstructing it but kind of trying to understand the systems and the hierarchies and the psychology behind it and so in this opening sequence one thing that I really like that I that uh, Joseph Kubota Vladika does is he's he he'll do like a really close up, extreme close up on the on a tattoo on a part of the the body. I think he does it in the in episode two as well. Yes. And so he does. Uh, he opens the scene with a, a a close up on the tattoo, and then you start seeing more of the tattoo and you see like the tattoos on his chest and it's this doctor who's giving him this very intimate um medical exam in a hotel room and taking blood and all, doing all of these things and so it's kind of a vulnerable moment for this very tough powerful guy and then you see him in front of the mirror and he's you see his full body tattoos and then you see him sort of put makeup on this bruise on his face and he's like psyching himself up. So you take him from this really vulnerable moment to him like standing in his power. And I just think like that scene, which has very little dialogue in it, it's just the doctor sort of telling him about, you know, you know, asking him questions and, and telling him about um, his health and stuff. You know, you see visually this man, you know, putting on his armor, his yes. mental armor to do his job. And um, I just think it was a really beautifully done scene. And uh, I just love that theme of the tattoos and the way that we're getting under the skin of, of these guys and, and under their image. Yeah, and it balances that great, like, unfortunate emasculation of, like, he's getting his prostate checked, so he's an yes. old guy, he's lost a step, he's getting blood and you're not sure whether like is this a blood transfusion or something like that and 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 then the touch-up of the facial bruise or scar or something like that it's clear that something uh, went down yeah yeah he's he's immunocompromised i think is a, is a word oh, that okay. i hadn't probably heard 
before, but that's what I th- read into. I was like, he's got so- something's going on. Like he's so- yeah, he's got an illness or something. He's got an, an illness that he wants to cover up, and so then he makes himself up exactly as you said. Like he like literally puts on the war paint, other than the literal war paint of all those yakuza tats that are all over his body. But then once he is in front of everyone after this vulnerability. Man, he's scary as hell. Um, yes. He's he's real. He's got a level of intensity, and like, um, someone will say something, and he doesn't like it, and he doesn't have to say a word. His response is just like leaning forward and like focusing his gaze, and you're like, uh, actually, no, I take all that back. See ya, and um, people just run away, <laughs> do not die, um, which I think is so great. Right, and if we're contrasting the two heads, the two dons, the mm. two Oyabuns, I think that's the name that they use. Mm. Ishida and Tozawa, I mean, like, Ishida looks much older. He's not really controlling his guys very well. He's kind of floundering. There's a scene where he gets really upset that his, like, police, you know, liaisons are not drinking the tea. And, you know, he's he's just sort of like, what what am I doing? Like, he, you can tell he's kind of lost his footing a little bit in this, like, really strong or appearingly strong guy tough scary guy is is trying to take his place yeah and we i i love what you said there about ishida he knows he's lost a step and he's just like seeing all these things happening and seeing a little bit of the chaos and even sato's fight with one of his peers um that you know kuma has to break up that doesn't happen in like the older Ishida. like you get a lot of inferences of like years ago ishida was this guy yeah, yeah, was this tough guy and like losing his step and being a bit slower and being a bit more contemplative and being thinking and being less, you know, to thinking about how to maintain his power after decades of being in this very dangerous business. Um, I think is something really cool about this episode too. But let's 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 talk sexy because that sexy scene. There's a sexy scene with Sato. There's, we get a bit more broadening of a relationship between Samantha. We start to get to know her a bit better. We start to see some of Jake's backstory emerging through him listening to tapes from his sister, um, who's actually suffering from like a, an illness back home. And so her reaching out to him and t- telling him about how she's doing and how life is in the family. So you see ba- back and forth and you see those guys get together. But Sato and Samantha's scene with the dress is just fantastic it's, it's just charged it's yeah it's, it's 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 leaping off of the screen shall we say it's it's really great and um and look rachel kell is really beautiful but yeah. man show but show kasamatsu in that scene is hot as it gets like you're like be, wow because he brings the seduction because yes. of the way that he looks at her Yes, and the yeah. camera looks at him looking at her, and like yes. I have this conversation with a friend of mine who like we like to talk about rom coms and sexy leading men or whatever, as you do. Um, but on brand, this is she cool. always talks about how the way that a a male lead looks at the the female lead is so key to chemistry and sexual tension on screen like you have to he has to look at her like he wants to eat her or something (laughs) and like sato there is like if you want to put the dictionary definition of like wolfish like he's wolfishly looking at her like he wants to eat her and it's like the desire that he has for her that he's restraining which is you know not 
comment, you know, he doesn't restrain himself physically in this episode very often. He's slapping people, he's beating people up, he's doing all of this stuff. But you can tell that he's like restraining and repressing all of his sort of desire and then letting it out at other inopportune times. But um, that's what makes the scene so charged is sort of like the way that he's looking, he's stealing glances at her. Because it's just a scene of him saying, here, try on this dress. I got this dress for you. And they're alone in the dressing room. And she, you know, is has her back turned to him, but they're, you know, right next to each other. And she sort of puts the dress on and and he's like trying to be respectful, but looking at her and and there's just that tension. And it's like, that's how you can elicit sexiness, seduction, sexual tension without showing sex. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have to have any of that. The great thing is there's I I, I would say that there's one thing that that added thing is it's the way that he looks at her like he like she's something to be consumed and for one of the first times it's like it you do feel like other women in that group might be like um might be swayed by the power play of like having like a powerful yakuza do this in front of them but samantha like rachel keller's character feels like she knows what she's doing she's so wily so when she takes off her dress in front of him and gets dressed, you're like, oh, not only does he want to consume her, maybe she wants to be consumed. <laughs> and it's that that is like a fantastic tension because she's like, she'll just strip off right in front of him, put this dress on, oh, please help me get into this delicate, perfectly fitting dress for me. And he like, and you're like, oh, this is great. This is good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. I do love the framing also when you just see her back facing the camera and him to the side. There's like a shot where it's like from that side and then a shot where you see him looking at her. And I just think it's like beautifully shot and composed because it's not lascivious, but it is very charged, very sexy. And it's about the power play between them. And you know the entire time time that it is about the power play between him that he can kind of be like hey come back here try this on and she's also got a certain power over him as well yeah absolutely and it's totally inverted when the big tall dork that is jake adelstein invites her out for dinner (laughs) later on in the episode (laughs) just a big floppy haired dork goes and has a chat with her and it has none of that chemistry and i think that that's what's great is in this show it's we're getting a sense of what I guess you could say is like a very traditional, um, like when you think of like fish out of water movies, those sorts of things, you see these two people who are both fish out of water in the same area that start being drawn together for whatever reason, they're both outsiders, etc., and ends up sort of, you know, in some ways reinforcing stereotypes. But what's so cool about Tokyo Vice is that in these scenes and in this part, it's like, yes, it's about power and yes, it's about um, these people playing within their systems, but the genuine connection here starts to really show. And it's kind of (laughs) the love story is more um, uh, together between Jake and Katagiri than it is between (laughs) Jake and Samantha. Let's be really (laughs) honest. Yes. Um, uh, And so I think that that's a, um, one of the, one of the great parts of, of this episode, but it's, it's starting it's it's starting to really show these bridges and i think that that's what this show really is about it's and i think that that's you know after great journalism shows i think 
are synthesized by the great William Goldman line, like follow the money because it's like, mm-hmm. what is, yeah. you know, and, and, and the other, um, you know, the other thing of like who benefits and how do they benefit and, and all these systems, you know, a system is called a system because it works and it works for the people that are in the system and incentivizes them to do it somehow. And so what's cool about this investigation is although category has got a gut feeling about this, you know, this crooked, loan chart company, he hasn't quite pieced together how it bridges the gaps between all these things. And he's like getting Jake to do those things. And he'll give him his, yeah. he'll give him his little bust to write up to kind of allow his employers to keep him working on a bigger side story. Um, right. But, but, right. but it's, 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 there's some really good, there's some really terrific stuff in this episode that start to bloom out into later episodes that we get to enjoy. And I like what you say about like, like, I do think that one thing that this show is about as well is like the way people are using each other and cultivating each other as, um, I don't want to say helpers, but it's like Katagiri needs Jake to do the shoe leather investigation and reporting on this, um, you know, suicide murder loan shark company thing. So he's like, okay, here, I'm going to like, you know, backdoor give you this binder and you know break you off a little piece of something you know it's in samantha's best interest to cultivate sato as like an ally if she's going to open her own club you know uh jake is sort of just trying to gain his footing yeah (laughs) but he's he is gaining his footing and he's getting bylines and he's getting scoops and things like that thanks to his relationship with katagiri but like everybody's kind of using each other in a way and there are real connections there too but, but the, it's like doing, every connection is also a sort of double meaning kind of connection with needing a relationship for another, an ulterior motive. Yeah. It, it's like this great, you do for me, it's this, this great re- reciprocity of like favors. Cause at the moment the currency is like, they're not going to, at least with the people who are not directly in the Yakuza or willing to take a bribe, like maybe, um, uh, Hideaki Ito's like uh, Miyamoto, like who's like just willing to like get schmoozed. If you don't want the schmooze, like there has to be a little bit of schmoozing to build a relationship, but the favors are everything. It's like, oh, you're going to do the shoe leather on this and I'll give you a scoop. And, right. and we're going to have this interaction and we're going to keep ourselves like really, we're going to keep maintain this charge relationship. And so that when there comes time for a favor, we're going to be ready to broach that favor. And so, yeah, I think that, I think that, and then again, Sato seeing Jake and going, oh, there's that dork I was talking about sneakers with who, who can actually probably get me out of the worst favor with my boss right now. Um, but it's almost like he just does it. He doesn't have anything else. He's like, oh my God, I know this guy. Uh, maybe that can, maybe that can help. Maybe you know, like good. he, he has good. no idea like what the plan is, but he's just like, oh, I happen to have met this guy. Like maybe he can do something. I, he was there at the Tozawa arrest. Like maybe he can write about something, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say also, I just think Rachel Keller's performance is so good because Samantha is a character who's so guarded and she's constantly telling these very well curated stories that she can kind of maintain. But, you know, Jake sees through her, but you know, I think there is something about her performance where you can tell that she's performing, which yes. I think is really hard to do. And so you can see her performing with Matsuo, who's the new um, customer, you know, and charming him. You can see her in a way performing with Sato. You can see her performing with Jake. And so if you have, as a viewer, like I just enjoy that 
experience of of watching the double layered performance going on here. Yeah, because you know, there's a there's actually a couple of times in the series, and it's intended, where Jake like has to pretend to be someone that he's not to get into a room, like pretend to be a fanboy, pretend to be, you know, uh, just like a, a dumb tourist, you know, all those sorts of things. But yes, like you said, Rachel Keller Samantha is is curated to perfection. Yes. She does have a little bit of that unguarded stuff that she has behind closed doors with her girls, but she's like, she is a singular focus. And so everything is about the show. Like she never wants to reveal that, that girl that's on the inside of her apartment, that's going to bed early, that's putting the cream on her face, that's hoarding some cash in a secret stash in her apartment and those sorts of things. That stash is Chekhov's cash. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Put it on a t-shirt. I'm put, just it, put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's those those things. Like it, I, I I like the double too. I think there's a couple of really good doubles here. Oh, I think yeah. Rika Kikuchi's Ime is a great yes. in this show. Again, She's curating, really great. curating something on the outside. And even Katagiri, too, he's in his way in Tozawa. There's a lot of doubling because it's like Katagiri is, he wants to toe the company line. He wants to make sure that, that he's a keeper of the piece. But he also is seeing that this this enduring peacetime or this enduring peacetime that's been happening and this lack of war, you know, and the lack of police crackdown, it's that simmering or allowing there to be no, like, big crackdown has actually tipped the power balance towards everything that the, the, the Yakuza are doing and the police are now out. And so he's just slowly trying to do that disruption another way. Um, with the mate show on the other side. So it's, this is why this series is fun. This is why we're actually dedicating our time to it. It's got a lot. It's got a lot. Yeah. There's a lot to, there's a lot, there's a lot there to talk about. And I just, I, I think the performances are really, really good. Um, but yeah, everything has double meaning and it's like, it's so rare to see a show or even a movie that entrusts the audience to pick up what they're putting down and doesn't like repeat things over and over again or like hit you over the head with it. So it's actually feels like we're a part of figuring things out or a part of discerning what's going on. And I don't know. I, I, I just love when, when you actually have to like do ha- half the heavy lifting as a viewer. Yeah. And I think also there's that, I love how you, how you put that of it. It just, that's a very Michael Mann thing. It's like, it does yes. not insult your intelligence. It just says, this is what is happening. And if you want to pick up some of the details, go nuts, but you're going to have enough to piece it all together. And I like also that sometimes your instincts are rewarded with characters Mm -hmm. in this show. Like it doesn't, it doesn't give you like the satisfaction of you knowing more than another character. Like in the last episode, one of the the best parts of the episode was Jake abandoning a dinner with Miyamoto because he'd screwed him over to leave him there. And Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, I remember watching that scene the first time and I was like, leave this prick here, Jake, leave him. Like, just like make him pay for all this crap that he's like now squeezing you from and he's screwed you over and got you in even more trouble. Like leave him and mm-hmm. you're rewarded with yeah. doing that. And you're like, yes. Like, so it's a real hard balance to strike to be like, we are right in the moment with the characters discovering things and making decisions as they make decisions. And some of them are bad. Some of them are good and some of them are really like exactly what you want. And I like, that's one thing about just the momentum 
of the show, uh, I'm just really like it's it's not like a ride in in an insulting way. I mean, I'm really enjoying the 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 pace of the series as we're going through because it's it feels like it's it's got a very good clip, um, but it's not like so fast that it's incomprehensible. But it's moving along really quickly, and it's it's you know especially now that we're only in episode three and like the category and Jake relationship is really forged. Um, and really like laying the foundations for what we saw in that first episode in the flash forward. But um, yeah, I, I'm just really, um, I really like the pace of the show. Yeah, it's a great pace. And it's like, it's, it's enough going on. It doesn't feel bloated. You know, things are moving, but it's also not bewilderingly. Like, I can't believe we're on only on episode three and we're like, we've covered this much territory. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it does not feel bloated, does not feel repetitive. It feels just right. well uh katie and i have an appointment with our doctor for a blood transfusion for some prostate checks uh some other things uh then katie brought me this dress i've got to try on at the end of the episode so um we've got to get out of here but uh we'll catch you on another episode of tokyo nice katie's shaking her head i need to get a gif of katie's head like no i don't want to see you take off i don't want you you have the body of rachel keller i don't want to see anything god who does (laughs) my god Um, Yes. See you next time. See you next time. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts.